got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Fighting through the pain today. I'm here despite everything I've been through. Thank you for your service. I have returned to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you mm-hmm. for returning as well. It's been a while yeah. since we've heard those those sweet sounds back on these airwaves. Uh, you were traveling. I was traveling this past weekend as well. Unlike you, though, I come back on time. I did come back on time. I was I was on your Monday. time. Yeah. On your time. My time. Yeah. Not on everybody. Not, not, not on the Tom shows. Coughlin time. Not on the Derek shows. Johnson not on RCST time. Mm-hmm. RCST time starts three o'clock on Mondays. You were not present. No. For that, that you will receive one RCST demerit. Mm. <laughs> you receive three of those bad boys, and you are in a world of trouble, at which point you will receive your first verbal warning. Oh, okay. Then I'm not worried. Three verbal warnings, you're going to get your first written warning. Mm-hmm. And five of those written warnings, well, then you have to speak to the boss. Mm. Then I'm going to tell on you. Okay. Yeah, this this So I need 15 demerits. Yeah, so this line of this line of punishments all handled directly by me and I'm pretty lenient. So, this is your first strike, but hopefully it's not one of many. I on the other hand, uh I think I broke my thumb earlier today. You think or you know? Well, actually I know that I didn't break my thumb. Oh, okay. If you're going to ask it like that, because I did have to get x-rays. Mm. It's So you got a thumb boo-boo? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's somewhere in between. Let me kiss it. Make feel better. A boo boo and a broken thumb. I was at the gym, getting jacked, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, just one of those typical workout machines where you can adjust the weights. And I was, you know, I was, I was actually going up in weight. I was going up from ten to fifteen pounds. You know, wow, big, big day, big yeah. day for me. Uh, going for a new PR. But you know they have, I think it goes actually in this machine, it, it goes up by increments of 20. So it goes 10 to 30 to 50 to so on and so forth. But for specific weights, if if that's a too big of a jump, they have the the smaller weights on top, which are each 7.5 pounds. So I could go from 30 to 37.5 to 45 to 50 if I wanted to do that. So... I didn't even know those were up. I mean, I know they're up there, but I wasn't touching them or using them. I was I'd just come over to this machine, and I was, I took the pin out and I was putting it in another one, and I'm resting my right hand on the top of these weights, and just the the sheer movement of me putting my my hand there was enough to dislodge. No, oh, no. The two smaller weights from the top that were not latched in properly because you have to like you know click you wait for the click and then mm-hmm. that now they're in whoever was there planted it before there. me yeah maybe so maybe oh. this was uh planted by some of my uh 
adversaries. Yeah. Do you have any enemies? I do now. Whoever <laughs> made that stupid machine, because the that 15 pounds of pure steel, or I guess they're iron, uh, fell from about, I would say, a distance of about five feet mm-hmm. directly onto the knuckle of my thumb, mm. which... Hurt, but it didn't break it. It I, it may have been broken, okay? Mm-hmm. It may have been broken because I then, I was like, I'll just ice this for a while. Then I talked to my buddy of mine who's a surgeon in Topeka, and he said, no, don't just, because he's like, if it's broken and you don't go check it out now, you're, you're an idiot and you're not going to be able to fix it. So I go to a walk-in clinic here in town, and I go through the whole deal, and they get me in there, and they check it out. The doctor comes in, and he's like, oh, that's broken, right? He's like, that looks broken. <laughs> He's like, we'll check. We're going to get an x-ray, but that looks broken. Swelling, bleeding, couldn't move anything, tender to the touch. Yes. It's, well, yeah, what know. do you mean? Is like it level painful? Level of pain, one to ten. Initially? Yeah. Nine and a half. So it was, it was a nine and a half, and it wasn't even broken? Okay, so this, this fra- that that knuckle right but, there below your thumbnail. Like, uh, no, I get that. It just, it just gets. But if it was a nine and a half and it wasn't even broken, like imagine if you fractured your thumb. What would that be, a 15? No, I just think it would be. It wouldn't hurt as bad. I want to meet. Wouldn't hurt as yeah, bad. I want to meet somebody. Who I if somebody come up to me and say, "Well, you should." I I fractured my thumb, so I can, you can only imagine how bad it is. I would tell him. I'd say, "No, my doctor actually told me it hurts more today." No, this. he did not. Yeah, he. My doctor told me actually, uh, people who get fractures are wimps, and people who had what I had happen <laughs> are heroes. The courage I had to come in and do this radio show today. And then he gave you a Superman Band-Aid. And- so he, he gave me, <laughs> I did have to get a tetanus shot. Oh. He's like, have you got, when's the last time you got a tetanus shot? And I said, I, uh, may, uh, grade school? I don't know. He's like, well, you're supposed to get one every 10 years. And I said, well, then it definitely hasn't been within the past 10 years. So got re-upped on my tetanus shot today. So no tetanus for your boy. But uh, that got x-rays. Came back negative. He's like, you don't have a broken thumb. He's like, I don't know how. So it's just like a really bad bone bruise, and it's swollen and it's mm. disgusting looking. I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna take the bandages off tomorrow and show you. Because tomorrow will be like peak swelling, mm-hmm. disgustingness. So that's what I want you to see. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, but at least I know it's not broken, so it can't be that bad. So if it were broken, could I could get I could show you the exact same injury. If it were yeah. broken, you'd have sympathy for me. Not broken, don't care. Yes. Shut up about it. Yes. Okay. Like imagine let's let's put this in basketball terms. Imagine if uh you know, I don't know, a couple of years ago, KU's in the final four and Devontae Graham is like, I can't play against Villanova, coach. He's like, Why? Like I have a bone bruise in my thumb. He's like, he, it's, it's broken? No, it's just a bone bruise. He wouldn't be able to play with this injury. Hmm. You sure he doesn't have a higher tolerance for pain? There is not a single person on the face of this planet who could play a competitive basketball game with the injury that I sustained this morning. Fact. Fact. Now, if the game's like 48 hours later, let's talk. Like, I'll, I'll give you my assessment at my pain assessment tomorrow. I'll do the same thing the next day. Like, I'll continue to just sort no, of... No, you're going to milk this. He said the swelling will go down. My... This is best doctor money could buy that I walk... At a walk-in clinic. Um, but he's the best in town. Mm-hmm. And one of the best in the area. And he, spe- he specializes in this specific injury. 
This sounds to me like you just like slightly rolled your ankle at a basketball game, and now you're walking into work. I for told two you weeks what happened. Leg cast and crutches. Okay, how about this? Let me go get something that weighs 15 pounds and let me drop it five feet directly onto your thumb, and let's just see if it feels good. No, it doesn't feel good, but I don't know. It's been how long? Five hours, roughly. Okay, get over it. Get okay. Rub some dirt on it. I didn't realize you were so old school. We got Bear Bryant producing the show today. Hey, Jalen Wilson uh, was at the G League Elite Camp, which is sort of, it's funny they call it the G League Elite Camp, even though it's the camp that you get into when you don't get into the other one. But it's like, you guys are still elite, though. Could you imagine if they called it that, the G League Not-So-Elite Camp? (laughs) The G League, obviously not elite camp. Uh, But there, I mean, there were some other big names that were there. Uh, Macy Oteague, Marcus Carr, Jay Huff. Um, Kofi Coburn, R.J. Nimhard. So there's some names that you would recognize if you're a college basketball fan. Marcus Garrett was there as well, but he suffered an injury yesterday, so it didn't compete in either of those games, which obviously not ideal. Jalen Wilson was there, did compete, but didn't come away with the most impressive stat lines. In game number one, he played almost 19 minutes, went 3 of 9 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3, finished with 6 points, 4 assists, and 1 rebound. Game number two, got the start, played about 19 minutes as well, went 2 of 4 from the field, scored 4 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 turnovers. A handful of guys have now gotten the invite from that G League elite camp to the Combine, and they say, kind of said that's how it was going to work. I talked to Sam Bassini last week, and he said, you know, anywhere from five to ten guys is what he heard in terms of how many guys will get the invite from one camp to the next. The only ones that I've seen so far, Carlick Jones from Louisville, Dwayne Washington from Ohio State, A.J. Lawson of South Carolina, and Aaron Wiggins of Maryland. But those are the only guys who have gotten the invite from one combine to the next. The actual NBA combine started yesterday in Chicago, and today they're starting the um, the measurements, the drills, and the workouts. I don't, I didn't see Ochai's name on any of the schedules for today, so he may be a guy who's going to be more active tomorrow, and, and we'll certainly let you know whenever we hear anything from that. But just from Jalen Wilson, not having a noteworthy performance in these two games, it's two games. But that's kind of where you have to show up if you want to, to make this happen this year. We've never really given much consideration to the fact that he could stay in the NBA draft. And I think a big p- reason why is beyond whatever you think of him, go back to the statement that he released when he announced he was going through this process. It read a lot more like, I just want to go get some information than thanks for the memories, I'm out of here. The fact that he didn't perform well because even if you would have said that and he would have killed it at this combine and then all of a sudden gets an invite to the NBA combine, what would we be saying right now? We'd be saying, oh, maybe he's not coming back because he's kind of killing it. That didn't happen. I would kind of imagine we're going to have a decision from Jalen here in the next week or two. Yes. That he's coming back to Kansas. Yeah. I mean, how many guys are at the combine? Is there a number now that I think you added it was- the G League Elite guys? It was uh, 68, 69. And probably around 75, 80. Yeah, I think that's about right. So, I mean, it, just in theory, if you're not part of 75 or 80, what makes you think you're going to crack the top 60 in the draft? And I get it. There's there's certain guys who 
aren't going to be, uh, you know, drafted, but they're still cool with it because you're going to get a guaranteed two-way. But even if every NBA team does that, that's the top 90. I haven't seen them on any top 100 big boards. So I, I think you're right. I think it just boils down to, you know, last year because of the injury, like if Jalen Wilson plays last year for Kansas, I don't know how big of a role, and by last year I mean the 2019-20 season, I don't know how big of a role he would have ended up having on that team. But maybe he still goes in and tests the water just to, like you said, get information. He was injured last year, and I think he probably would have been back-ish around the time that he could have gone to the combine back from uh, his was it a broken wrist. I can't remember. Uh, definitely worse than a broken finger. Um, You're talking about last, like his yeah. actual true freshman year? Yeah, broke yeah, his yeah. ankle. Oh, his ankle? I thought it was, I don't know why I thought it was a wrist. Also worse than a broken thumb. Um, maybe he would have done that that year but because he didn't get that this is his first opportunity to just get information from NBA teams we've seen other players take this as you know like I remember Caleb Swanigan for Purdue went after like his sophomore year just wanted to hear feedback what can I do better NBA teams told him what he can do better how he can do it better went back was a national player of the year candidate ends up being a first round pick not saying that's going to happen with every player or Jalen Wilson but there is value in that so um I don't know, like, when that process stops, basically. Like, are you still going to be able to go on visits and have teams tell you that? Or is there enough there for you just to say, okay, I've collected enough information about what I need to improve on. Let's go back now. Because if the idea was just, let's get all that information and we'll come back to school. And best case scenario, I move on to the NBA. If that was the plan all along then you probably want to stay in as long as possible just to get as much information as possible. Yeah, but I, I wonder how many teams... I mean, I know that th- these organizations are going to turn over every stone they possibly can. If you're somebody who was at the G League elite camp and even there didn't perform particularly well, you're not going to be a top priority for teams to bring in for interviews. That doesn't mean you won't get interviews. It's just probably that there won't be a ton of them. Right, there may be a handful of teams like, yeah, we'll give you, we'll we'll take some time to sit down with you. But that's why you have the combine and you have this camp because whether or not you think you belong in the combine or not, like you have a chance to earn a spot in the combine. You didn't do that. You don't really have anything else that that could be a more clear indicator of where you're at right now, which is like you're not ready for this. Yeah, um, I. But I, I mean, I'll tell you this right now: there will be guys who declared early who are in that camp, who don't get invited, who are still going to keep their name in the draft. Like, that is going to happen. So the piece that we're adding to this equation to make the determination that he's going to be back at Kansas next year is the fact that he sort of told us at the beginning with his statement that he probably was coming back. Right? Is that it? Yeah, I think so. It's tough for me to imagine what junior... Well, I guess technically it's redshirt sophomore. Ah, technically third-year freshman. <laughs> okay, I don't. This is going to get so difficult. I to think they just have to the keep them what their classification was last year. Okay, you just call them a third-year freshman. I know, like I was reading uh, a preseason college football magazine. That's what they did. Like, all right, that's fine. Yeah. Okay, so third-year freshman Jalen Wilson. What is that season? look like what should expectations be for Jalen if he comes back we'll talk about it on the other side we got Matt Tate of the LJ World joining us coming up in a bit this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk 
there's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. Uh, you know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend. You want the clean car, and don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man. Where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes, unlimited clean, shiny, and dry, unlimited use of exclusive app lane, unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them, unlimited guest service and most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and Body Wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. So I haven't seen anything on Ochai. I don't know if he did any workouts or any sort of uh, testing today. So I'd imagine we'll have to wait till tomorrow. He is at the NBA Combine, as far as we know. And uh, I'd imagine at some point we're going to get some feedback. And that's when you can start sort of making more educated guesses as to what he's going to do uh, based off of what teams are saying about him. Let's talk about it with Matt Tate of the LJ World who joins us now on the show. First, Matt, let's start with Jalen Wilson, who was at the G League Elite Camp, had a couple of scrimmages. Uh, I think you put it best, uh, some modest stat lines he put up in those two games. What was your takeaway from Jalen's performance and what you think that means for the decision that's looming for him? You know, I, I mean, I think it was perfect. I think I think it's a, an indicator of exactly what that's supposed to be for guys. You know, he went there and, Played a couple of games. I'm sure they did all the testing and all the you know interviews and things like that as well. Um, Marcus Garrett was there, but uh, I guess there was a report that he had a minor injury. I reached out to his uncles, and they didn't really know what it was even. But um, minor, I think, is, is a fair way to put it. And so he didn't get to play, but but he was still able to talk to 20 plus teams and and kind of let them know who he is and what he's about. And and so all that stuff's a big part of it too. But then when you get to the scrimmages. You know, Jalen came off the bench in one game, and he got a chance to start in another, and he put up what he is. You know, I mean, at at that next level, he, he's a terrific college player, but at that next level with with guys that are aspiring NBA type players, you know, to me right now, he's he's just another guy, and his numbers reflected that. I mean, he didn't shoot the ball incredibly well. Um, you know, got a few buckets, didn't rebound well in one game, but got a few in another game had four assists in one game, which is new kind of for him. And maybe something that, that in his conversations with those guys up there, maybe something they were telling him, you know, let's see if you can create, we know you can go get yours and that's a big part of your game, but can you, can you get other guys theirs? And and so maybe that was why he had four assists in one game. And if so, that's again, 
the whole idea is about feedback and about improving and about, you know, showing, hey, this is what I am right now. Do you like it or not? And those guys, the NBA-type guys, they're brutally honest. And they'll say, no, you need more work. Do this, this, and this, and come see me next year or whatever it is, you know. So I think Jalen's the poster child right now for, for, for that and, and, and that type of uh, – evaluation working out and you know we obviously don't know what he's going to decide still and and who knows maybe maybe he will decide to stay in i would i would bet money that he doesn't i would bet money that those numbers and that production um told him everything he needed to know but you know we don't know until he says but but i just think overall that's what it's for that's what the combine is for too and, and now they have this g league uh, elite camp which which was what jalen was invited to and you know, you go up there and, and you learn a lot. And, and whether you play well or you don't play well or whatever it is, you learn a lot. And, and then you get to make a, a more informed decision. And nobody can ask for more than that. Yeah, and I think the whole time, I think most of us were operating under the assumption that Jalen was going to go and just get some feedback and in all likelihood was going to be back at Kansas. So this doesn't really change anything based off, I think, a lot of people's expectations for the roster next year. If we are to, and he's still got some time to, to make a decision, but if we're to sort of suppose that he's going to be back next year, what do you expect to be different about Jalen in year two, based off of both him, based off of what the roster is going to look like around him? There, He didn't have many expectations going into last season. That's obviously going to be different. What do you think it's going to look like? Yeah, I love that question because I hadn't thought about it too much. But now that you asked, I, I mean, a couple of things come to mind. And, and the biggest one is, you, you know, he. I, I think it's hard to say because we don't know exactly what his role will be, right? I mean, will he still be that guy that he was last year? And, and will he play that four spot primarily? And, and, and if he does, then, then, you know, I think the expectations will be a lot of what he did last year, you know, rebound. I mean, he was the team's leading rebounder, even at, at his size. And, and, you know, he was a, an effective scorer, although inconsistent at times, but, but, you know, if that's the, if that's the, the idea is to play him in that spot again, um, th- then a lot of that will probably uh, transfer or, or transfer over. But I, I think probably the number one thing that, that, people would want to see is maybe more consistency with his outside shot because he's definitely a guy that's not afraid to take him. He's definitely a guy that's comfortable letting it go. And I think there was a lot of talk when he came out of high school that that's what he was as a shooter. Uh, I think he's more than that. I think he was always more than that. But somehow he got that label, and and um, he's shown times at KU where he can get hot and be that. But he's he's definitely had other stretches where, you know, that's not – that's not there at all. He's not. He's not a knockdown, dead eye shooter. So I think that 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 would probably be the biggest thing that that I'm kind of expecting is is him to show an improved outside shot. And um, you know, I think he's again. Uh, you talk about a guy who has all the confidence in the world. I mean, he, he's not afraid to take those shots. Now he's just got to make them more consistently. Same thing with driving to the rim. He's not afraid to turn the corner, get his shoulders downhill, and go to the rim. And that worked really well for him early in the season, but it didn't work as well late in the season. There were a lot of times where he drove to the basket, nice move, hard take, all that stuff, but didn't finish. So, 
you know, finishing is, is something else that I think should be an expectation for him. And, and you know, and, and then the rest, I mean, the rest is just about growing, um, developing, maturing, you know, improving your IQ, all those things that, that staying in college should do for pretty much any player. You know, just become more aware out there on the court of how to get other guys involved, how to do the intangible things, how, how, to, how to be a good teammate. I mean, all those things are, are expectations for everybody, but, but they certainly fall on him too. Yeah, he's just an interesting one because when you think about the beginning of the season, as good as he was, and when it sort of felt like, I mean, there were conversations, and I know, I know what how I answered the questions of, you know, who's KU's best player, who's KU's most important player. If you'd asked me that question in December, I would have said Jalen Wilson with a bullet. It's not close, because he was that alpha. He was the guy who was comfortable taking over. He was the guy who was comfortable taking that that last shot. And that wasn't the same guy we saw finish the season. And we had a lot of conversations about confidence and it would be easy to just say that will improve with another year. But there's also the flip side of, okay, you want him to be that guy? Well, you just went out and got a guy like Remy Martin or Joe Yesifu, both of whom would seem to be pretty natural fits. So it just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see what it's going to look like because it's not just about fit. It's also about confidence and sort of the persona that he carries himself with. Yeah, I agree, man. In December, I was starting to, do some preliminary work on what does his draft stock look like? And I never got to it. And it's a good thing I didn't because it was none. I mean, there, you know, I mean, obviously he's testing right now, but the way he started the year is one of the breakout players in all of college basketball. And the way he finished the year were two different things. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's part of the process. That's part of the growth and the growing and, and, you know, something that frankly he needed to go through to, you know, it's not all roses everywhere you go. It's not, it's not just going to be easy. So now he knows that, you know, I think getting back to the expectations question, I mean, getting up to Chicago and getting in front of NBA teams and and hearing what they think about your game. I mean, I would think this guy's going to come back if he does come back Um, more locked in than ever, more, more focused on, well, I'll show you what you were looking for. Watch this. And, and, and maybe even more, you know, I, I think he's a pretty serious guy out on the court. But, but I think now when you get up there and you get in front of those guys, you, you get a taste of the business side of this thing. And um, I, I think we'll see, you know, the most serious version of Jalen Wilson you've ever seen. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he'll be a, a fun dude to be around. I think he'll have fun. I mean, I think that's, that's part of being a college basketball player. But I think – with all those things ringing in his head, whatever these guys, these NBA guys are telling him, they want to see, they want him to improve, he needs to work on. I mean, all that's just going to be ringing in his head nonstop because this is the goal and you want to get there. And uh, I, I think he's going to be a very, very focused dude. And, and if those things um, that they've been telling him are are the things that, that he's already been doing, then I think you'll just see – a guy who's trying to improve his game. But if, if they if they say, hey, we want to see you average six assists a game, uh, it's a lofty goal. But I think you'll see him be very intentional about that and try to try to be a guy who instead of just launching threes and, and driving to the rim and kind of going crazy and not necessarily finishing, I think you'll, you'll see a guy who's very focused on trying to uh, set others up and show he can facilitate. So, you know, whatever it is, I'm not saying it's going to be that, but whatever it is, I think just getting this taste of, of the business side of this thing is, is going to 
put his mindset at a at a whole new place and, and probably be really good for him and good for the team. Talking to Matt Tate of the LJ World here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Ochai, uh, kind of the opposite end of the spectrum, right? We knew he was probably more serious candidate to not return to college next year. And I don't know how I would sort of compare him to the impact of having him versus not having him that I would to Jalen. Because whereas Ochai was clearly the better player over the course of the season, he feels in a weird way more easily replaceable based off the way he plays and the role that he would have on next year's team. Does that make any sense? Do you agree with that at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it is weird. I agree with you. It, it does seem and sound weird, but I think it's totally fair and 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 dead on. I mean, I think um, because Ochai was unable to, um, and, and I'm, this isn't a knock on him by any means, but but I think he he has yet to take that that next and maybe final step toward being that guy who's just willing to take over and be that alpha like you just talked about. I mean, look, we saw a glimpse, a very, very short but very impactful glimpse of it in that Big 12 tournament game uh, against Oklahoma last year. And, and there, was a, there was a portion of that game, you know, KU, it was a 50-50 game, go anyway. And Ochai absolutely just took that game over. And, and I think he hit three threes in a row, and maybe two free throws, scored 11 straight points, something like that. That was it, and that is what people have been wanting to see, um, including the coaching staff, including the fans, including his teammates. And, and so uh, it has yet to come, right? And, and so because that has not been there yet, I think you look at him as, well, he's, he's kind of what he was in, in 2019-2020, where you had Doak and you had Dotson, a couple All-Americans, and then you had Marcus Garrett, and then you had this really good other guy, as sort of the fourth part of that four-headed monster, and and uh, he played good defense. He uh, he knocked down open shots. He was reliable. All those things. But you can find guys that do those things. And and so um, you know, don't get me wrong. He he improved his shot a lot last year, and I, I think he he is a better shooter today than he was a year ago, than he was two years ago, et cetera, et cetera. But I think you can find. I mean, Jalen Coleman Lands is a perfect example of that. I'm not saying he's exactly Ochai, but he's a 40% three-point shooter. He's a guy who's got some maturity to him. He's reliable. He's a guy who can play a little defense. I mean, it's not hard to see if you have to give some of Ochai's minutes because he's not here to a guy like Jalen Coleman lands. It's not hard to see that that could work out just fine. You know? Um, so I, I think that, uh, I think that's a big part of it. And, and, you know, Again, I think everybody in, in on that Kansas roster, I think all the coaches, I think probably a lot of the fans, if not most of the fans, would love to see him come back for another year. Um, but if he doesn't, I don't think that's the, the end of the world by any means. I mean, I, I think they're really good with him, and I think they're, they're really good without him. It's just a matter of if, if he's here, um, then, you know, then, then how does it all get put together and and with him being here it gets put together just slightly differently than than it does without him but um again i know that sounds kind of uh, i know that doesn't sound real complimentary but 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 i i think a lot of ochi i think he's a terrific kid i think he's a great player i i just i just think that uh that, that there's a lot of guys that that can help fill that role and and if he's here um they won't need to and they'll be purely insurance and and he'll get to do what he does and, and maybe he'll take that next step if he's not, then that's probably a good sign, too, because he's such a smart kid. I don't see him making a bad decision. 
I mean, I think if he decides to go and stay into the draft, I think that's going to end up being a good decision because he's going to base it on good information. And if he's not hearing that kind of thing, if he's not hearing what he wants to hear, then I think he's smart enough to come back and, and, and give it one more run and see if you can improve your stock. So uh, definitely a lot still up in the air with him, and it's going to be an interesting few weeks uh, because that July 7th deadline is obviously nearing quickly. I don't know what happened to June, but it's almost over. It is almost over. I think a lot of people forget that, that it's sitting here June 22nd, um, and the days are getting shorter too, man. Because I don't like that. Yesterday was summer solstice, so it's only downhill from here. So I think that's probably the one aspect of this that people aren't thinking about enough. Not only is June almost over, but these days they're not getting any longer either. So um, thank you for bringing that to our attention, Matt. Well, I mean, I just had this calendar in front of me, and I figured, why should I have a calendar? Why shouldn't I share this with everybody? Because it's not fair for just me to have one. So you're welcome. He is Matt Tate. You can check out all of his work uh, on calendar and other units of time in KU Athletics at (laughs) KUSports.com and in the Lawrence Journal world. Matt, thank you as always, my friend. All right. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Good to talk to you every single week. Have a good rest of the week. All right. Will do, brother. That is Matt Tate of the LJ world. He's Derek Johnson. I'm Nick Schwert. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Derek, you missed a lot yesterday. A lot of things were discussed. We discussed, um, what did we discuss, guys? Mm. Guys. You tell me. Hello? We discussed. um, Oh, must not have been a good show. I'm kind of blanking, honestly. Anything happened? The second a show ends, I purge it. Oh, we discussed the phenomenon of, of coaches not being able to bench their best players when it's clear that their best players are costing them games. Doc mm. Rivers, Ben Simmons, Quinn Snyder, Rudy Gobert. Because basketball is a weird sport where basically the whole point is just to accrue as many superstars as possible. It's never really been about having the best team. It's about having as many stars on one team as possible. Usually that will just be enough. The talent will overwhelm. And if you were to describe those two teams in terms of their stars. Like Rudy Gobert is one of the first guys you're going to think of when you start talking about the Jazz. Same thing with Ben Simmons and the Sixers. So it's not an easy decision for a coach to say, I'm going to take one of my best players off the court. But both of those guys were very obvious liabilities to the team. I mean, Terrence Mann, dude. Terrence Mann. He went 15 of 21 against Rudy Gobert. Oh, my gosh. That's tough. That's tough. But, you know, the flip side of that is that we got to see the Nets lose, and I think a, a year gets added on to all of our lives every time a super team loses, in the, <laughs> at least if they lose before the conference finals. Like the Nets, just two weeks ago, you wouldn't have even fathomed the idea that the Nets weren't going to go to the NBA finals, and now they don't even make it to the conference finals. I was thinking about this because I was like, wow, do we actually not have a super team this year? Every year we do. Or even if the super team loses in the finals, it's because somebody got injured or something. Um, what if we are just watching the beginning of a super team? Which team? Phoenix Suns. Well, you've got Devin Booker. Going to be there for a while. You've got DeAndre Ayton. Going to be there for a while. 
You've got Mikel Bridges. Going to be there for a while. But neither of those last two guys are superstars. I think DeAndre Ayton might be. Could be. Someday. Mm-hmm. Not right now. Yeah. Right the second? No. But that's what I'm saying. They're this good, and he's not even a superstar. Yeah, but this team in most any other years getting wiped out in the conference finals against the actual super team. Or they're losing in the last round to a, just a— I mean, think about— Well, like if the Lakers are healthy, do they beat them in the first round, you know? Yeah, you got to think about it like with— I don't, I, I don't think this is the case because I just think the Suns are the better team, but how does that series go if Jamal Murray's playing, you know? Those are, I mean, it's just fair to wonder. It's fair to wonder. How's the first series go if LeBron and KD or, or LeBron and Anthony Davis are both fully healthy? It's fair to wonder. Again, I want to see the Suns win it all. I think the collective sports fan. I'm just saying, wants I think it would be funny looking back if the Suns win it all this year, and then we look back in five years and all those guys are, you know, Devin Booker's whatever, 24 or something, DeAndre Ayton's 21 or whatever he is. And we look back in five years, and they've won three titles in five years. And everybody, like, hates them now. Yeah, I'm not quite ready to go there. Jason Tatum signs with them in the offseason. Yeah, all of a sudden, know? they're this free agent destination. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably not going to happen, but uh, it'd be cool because they're a really fun team to watch. And it was fun watching Devin. Man, biggest game of your life, and you have the biggest game of your life. First ever triple-double in your first ever conference finals game. The guy's built for the moment, and he is certainly making a name for himself and starting to establish his legacy. It's fun to watch. All right. As for everything else that happened this weekend, we like to recap them in a segment called Do We Give a Bleep? Where we decide whether or not we should be giving bleeps about these things. First up, did you see the video that Starling Marte posted on his Instagram was later deleted? First of all, I guess, do you even know who Starling Marte is? Baseball player? Yes, baseball Cubs. player. Good baseball player. What did you say? Tops? Cubs. Oh, I thought you said Tops, like the baseball card. Plays for the Cubs. No, he's not for the Cubs. Used to. Uh, no, he is on the Florida Marlins. Or not Florida, Miami Marlins. I'm sorry. Um, good yeah. player. You know, very yeah, good player. He was, linked. he was linked to the Cubs at one point. Possibly. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Coming into sure. the league. Uh, <laughs> uh, See, I follow these guys. Yeah. From when they're teenagers. Uh-huh. So he posted a video on his Instagram of like a pre-July 4th thing, I guess. I guess he got his fireworks early. And it was like a bottle rocket. And he strapped a rat to it. Lit it off. There it goes. There's no way he a bottle. deleted bo- it. There's no way a bottle rocket is. It might not have been a bottle rocket. Whatever. It, it was one Are that, you like, sure it was a blew. rat or a mouse? I don't know. It might have been a mouse. Rats? He are- said it was a rat. I think. Your rats are big, though, man. You know the difference between a rat and a mouse. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because if he if it was a rat, I have no problem with it. We have a rat problem in this country. So you wouldn't have a problem if it's a mouse? Or I you would. would have a problem if it's a mouse? Yeah, I mean, mice are different than rats. Oh, you found the video? Oh, my God, that, that's a rat. Oh, wow. Where's he at? I would just assume his house. I don't know. Well, where does he live? I don't know. Florida somewhere? I want to watch it again. Full screen it. Actually, pause it and full screen it. I'm assuming there's a lot of people who aren't happy about this. No, a lot of people are like, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Okay. And here's my thing. Oh, like, look at that tail. Look at that. I, That's a rat. That is a rat. Yes, that is a rat. My thing is just like, like 
I get it. It's I don't know. It's a little sick, but like also at the same point in time, why is it okay for us to trap a mouse in a mouse trap and have it be squished to death? But this is not okay. It's a fair question. You know. I mean, you, Where do we draw the line? Have you seen the Rats documentary on Netflix? No, you've told me about this, though, in, like, New York City. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. Mm-hmm. Pretty disgusting. So do you give a belief about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see where this goes. <laughs> I think like, it's suspended. Well, no, I just mean, like... Listen, is it... Do you feel bad for that singular rouse who's like... A rat who's looking around like my life is about to end? Sure, sure. But also, like, rats are the worst. And yeah, anybody who deserve, complains about deserve, this, like, if, what, what are you doing you do if there's a rat in your what house? What are you doing right? if there's a yeah. rat in your house? Well, I wouldn't. Yeah. Well, I it's wouldn't. My pet. St- I wouldn't strap it. To, I wouldn't strap it to a rocket. Okay, but what would you do? Would you? Would you? Would you pick it up with your hands and set it free mm-hmm. outside? Guess what? It doesn't want to be free. It wants to be in your house eating your stuff <laughs> so just simply setting it free is not quite gonna get yeah. the job it's done. like oh I'll, g- I'll give it a rat poison and you, you know think that's a wonderful death you know what it's gonna do you pick it up it's gonna bite you <laughs> and now you have rabies mm. so dude we're we have a rat problem in this country we now have one less rat i would feel bad for you know whoever had that dead rat carcass fall onto their you know property <laughs> after <laughs> Starling Marte. Wow. Just so aggressive. Like, the, he caught that rat and it was like, weird. I got an idea. <laughs> it's unbelievable. This may be something I come. we come back to tomorrow when I have more thoughts on it. Because I hadn't seen that. There's a lot right there. Now. But I do give a bleep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do too. Uh, sticking in baseball, more actual baseball. Wander Franco, who's the number one prospect in baseball. If you look at, like, MLB.com, they give, like, hit tool and you know power tools stuff like that i don't know why they decided on this but the scale for prospect uh, scouting in baseball is 20 to 80 but he has an 80 grade hit tool which i've never seen them apply the 80 tag on somebody before he is debuting tonight for the tampa bay race do you give a believe so the 80 doesn't doesn't mean he's gonna be great right wider right away no but probably hit 320 in the minors power uh not as much power, but still, guys projected to hit like 20, 25 home runs. That's the thing. You got to hit at least 20, 25 for us to really care about you. Yeah. But if you're hitting 320 with 25 home runs and he also steals bases and gets a lot of doubles and triples and he's an all star. I did see that that means Bobby Witt Jr. is now the number one oh. shortstop prospect in baseball. Okay. So if this guy is good right away, it would give me hope that Bobby Wood Jr. is going to come up and be good right away as well. There's been a lot of prospects this year who have come up and they have not done good. Uh, Jared Kelenic was a top five prospect. He got sent back down. Uh, Joe Adele last year got sent back down. Logan Gilbert struggled, the pitcher for the Merit. Like, you can go on and on of guys who have come up this year and struggled. So I'm kind of hesitant to see how it goes right away for Wander Franco, but I definitely give a belief about this because... He is supposedly, it's not just like, oh, this guy's the number one prospect. He's like one of those guys where it's like, he is like supposed to be one of the next great players. Yeah, I don't love the 2080 scale. Yeah, I don't know who invented that. Like, so stupid. So 2080 would mean like, that means Ichiro would get an 80 
probably for hit tool. Yeah, because hit is like contact. So this is the next Ichiro. Sure. Right? Yeah. Because we don't have a better scale. Why can't we just give them a grade? <laughs> Why can't we give them a number? Mm-hmm. Right? Just give it like a raw number that we average it out, like .994. Right? All out of a out of a, out of one. And give me decimal points. Give me to the tenths, to the hundredths. I want to know specifically how good he is because I always look at these prospects and they have these tools and that tools. How am I supposed to rate them? That's what I'm saying. I have never, I've, I've gone back like over the last 10 years of that. So that would have been past each row of all the, the different top hundred lists. And I, I didn't find another MLB guy that they gave an 80 to. Not even Bobby Witt, huh? No. Our, our boy. No. Okay. More of a power guy. I'd take the power over the hitting. Mm. Give me an 80 power. Who's who's an 80 power guy? Trout? I don't know if I've ever seen an 80 power guy. Uh, uh, I mean, you could probably go back and look at like Joey Gallo, for instance. I mean, it is really hard for them to give you an 80 anything. Usually if you get like a 60, it's like, okay, cool. Like, that's good. But 80s are, are very seldom. Or, like, occasionally you see an 80 with, like, the, the sprint speed or, like, the running ability. You know, you just have, like, a Billy Hamilton. But, like, okay, for instance, Bobby Witt, he has a 60 hit and a 60 power. Wander Franco, it is an 80 hit, 60 power. Oh. So he's got the same amount of pop, <laughs> but he's just going to hit for average way more. I do give a bleep. Oh, good, good cool. for him. Yeah, good for him. Uh, the Olympic qualifiers have been going on. Had him on uh, NBC over the weekend. A couple local ties. Bryce Hopple from University of Kansas finished top three in the 800 meters, so he's going on to Tokyo for the Olympics. Michael Andrew, who uh, used to be at Lawrence High School, he's a swimmer. He's going on to Tokyo. Uh, there's a couple others as well, like Gleb Dudarev, who uh, throws for, for KU. He's competing for his home country. Um, and a couple others are, are in the mix. I think it's still going on today. It's not just track and field, though. There have been, you know, like I said, swimming. There have been uh, gymnastics. Do you give a belief about the Olympic qualifiers? Yeah, the Michael Andrew kid, do they, does he still? I don't know. Like training Lawrence? Wait, did he go to Lawrence? I thought he was like homeschooling. Or he didn't go to college because well, he, he was going to stay home. He might have homeschooled, but I thought he swam for Lawrence High School. Like he might have got a designation to yeah so that. I know that I know that he uh, I know that he has like a training pool at his house and it's like a short pool and his dad trains him there and I I think he did that elected to stay home and train with his dad as opposed to going and like swimming in college hmm. interesting very interesting uh, no Ryan Lochte no would that give you more bleeps he said I, I, I saw that Ryan Lochte He's got to be like 40, right? Yeah, he said he thought he, he let everybody down. Everyone. Oh. Wow. Do you feel let down? I do. I do. I don't know why I should be let down, but I do. Why did he let people down? He is the first swimmer qualifying to represent the United States at the Olympic Games in an individual breaststroke event as well as another individual event other than the individual medley. I'll tell you what I tell every other athlete from Lawrence, Andrew, win a gold medal and you will all of a sudden become, you'll go from being a guy we never talked about to being the only guy we ever talk about ever. <laughs> like be our Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. It's got to be tough for a swimmer. It's like, I want a gold medal. It's like, okay. 
because we we got so used to just one guy winning all of them yeah. that now that well, he, has, he has 30 we just need you to be the next <laughs> best we need you to be the next guy to win every single event every year so good luck i love all the olympic qualifiers that are I, I like the Olympics a lot. I was actually found myself watching a lot of these. I just think it's super interesting. It's especially the Summer Olympics. I'm not overly into the Winter Olympics, but I get all aboard the Summer Olympics. So I do give a believe about this. I love the I love the Summer Olympics too. I saw Team USA basketball looks pretty good. Oh, you don't say. Uh-huh. Uh Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, Kevin Love. Yeah, they might have a good future there. Drew Holiday. I like their chances. Yeah. I like their chances. How far deep down would we have to go where you were like, I don't like their chances? Like, if it was a team of of every NBA team's fourth best player. Okay, let's just do the fourth best player of all four teams remaining. Okay. So for... Hale Bridges... Mikhail Bridges, uh, Kevin Herter. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, let's think here. The Clippers' best player is Reggie Jackson. Fourth? Is it really? Maybe. I don't know if they're winning. Zubak? He can't play. No. Not on our, not not on our team. Um, and then the Bucks. <sighs> Oof. Who's your fourth best player? Well, it's going to be after Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis. So probably Brooke Lopez. Okay. It's not bad. Who's beating them? That's the question. Who's taking them down? I think they might win. I think they might as well. <laughs> You'd have to do a little bit worse. Okay. How about this story? This is a non-sports story. Uh, somebody was shopping at a thrift shop. And this is in Canada. They found a painting... And they liked it, so they bought it for $4. Turns out, the painting was done by David Bowie. And, like, on the back of the painting, it was signed by David Bowie. And now, it's being sold at auction, likely to sell for tens of thousands of dollars next week. Do you give a believe? He sold it. He bought it for $4? Yeah. It was a painting made by David Bowie. How does it end up in a thrift store? They probably just thought it was, like, a random painting by somebody. It was just like, ah, Where'd they get it? David Bowie... Got to give it to somebody. You know what I mean? Like David Bowie painted something. Yeah. And the, somewhere along the line, 1995 and 1997, Bowie painted a series of 47 portraits that he called Deadheads. And some of the paintings in the collection were, I don't know, inspired by Ziggy's Stardust period. I don't know how they got out. I mean, somebody has they stole it. But there's the thing, man. It's not. This is not just a great story of somebody making a ton of money. This is a great story of somebody losing a ton of money because somebody <laughs> at some point had this painting, thought it was worthless, and threw it out mm-hmm. or, or gave it to a thrift store. So who was that person? I get the guy who saw a painting of David Bowie and was like, oh, okay, cool, four bucks, sure. Found out it was No, worthless. it wasn't even a painting of David Bowie. It was a painting by David Bowie. Did he know that when he bought it? No. He just thought it was a cool-looking picture. It was $4. He was just like, oh, this would be cool art in my house. And then all of a sudden, you see on the back, it is signed by David Bowie. And you get it cleared the by thrift store. I mean, the thrift yeah. store owner has questions to answer. The person who somehow put it into a thrift store has questions to answer. You all could have been the ones profiting off this. Mm-hmm. And instead, you are idiots. What, what is it going to sell for? 
Uh, already bidding is up past $38,000. Wow. That's still going, I believe. It'll. You think it'll hit six figures? They said tens of thousands. I don't know. I guess. I bet you're around 50 grand. That's fantastic. You can buy the thrift store. You fire the guy who's running it. <laughs> you clearly don't know what you're doing. All right, last story. Uh, do you know what tight end university is? Uh, isn't that the thing that Travis Kelsey and, and George Kittle yeah. started? Yeah, it what, is. What uh, do they do? What's the curriculum? I don't know what they actually do, though. They do anything, or is it just like we're part of this club? I think it's just like uh, time to get together and talk about route trees. Drink some beers. I don't think it's a party thing. I think it. I think it's legitimately a football-related. I don't know if I buy that. Um, but Tim Tebow is not going to be invited, according to George Kittle. Really? Yeah. You give a bleep. The goal is to better unit the position group and improve play across the league. So it is like a, a real, like, it's like a clinic. It's like, here, here's how to be better. I'm George Kittle. I'm Travis Kelsey. I'm Darren Waller. Here's how to be like so us. So they're afraid Tim Tebow's going to be so much better than them that they don't want to teach their secrets as well. They're afraid he'll just start stealing everybody's job. Good. George Kittle said, I'm always big on building a brotherhood. A lot of these guys either don't know each other or never communicated with each other. That bothers me. Over 40 guys will be attending. He said he slid into everyone's DMs. He said that the position group is very diverse, but not diverse enough to include Tebow. Do you think it's, uh, is this religious persecution? Mm. Yes. He said he found it hard to invite him. It's hard for me to invite a backup tight end as opposed to inviting a guy who just started playing the tight end position because we do have limited spots. So he just didn't make the cut. Maybe next year, though. Maybe if he balls out this year, then next year, Tim Tebow, maybe that'll be his new motivation. Not to make it in the NFL, but just to get invited to tight end university. That's Do We Give a Bleep. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. Usually this is the dead time for college athletics, but this year, or at least this week, there's certainly a lot going on. NBA Combine, Jalen Wilson was active yesterday in the G League Elite Camp. Doesn't look like he got the invite to the NBA Combine. We'll probably hear more about Ochai tomorrow in Chicago. And of course, the big news from yesterday, the Supreme Court ruling against the NCAA in the case of the NCAA versus Alston. So I don't really know exactly where all we're going to go, but let's find out. Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 Sports, joins us now on the show. Kevin, let's start right there. I don't know what your legal acumen is like, but if you've got some muscles in that regard, we sure would love for you to flex them for us here on RCST. What exactly was your takeaway from the Supreme Court ruling unanimously against the NCAA in that case, NCAA versus Alston yesterday? You know, it's so funny, Nick. I, I've definitely cracked the joke with uh, with those from work that if they want to have me continue to to cover college basketball in particular, they're going to need to send me to law school because <laughs> when you look at the uh, the FBI deal, uh, everything else, you know, the cases before the IARP and and now the the rulings with the NCAA and name, image, and likeness likely coming. 
you know, it, it feels like uh, the the days that uh, that somebody could major in journalism, and when somebody asks why, you say because I didn't like math. I'm not sure that that's really cutting it uh, anymore. But no, I do think that it was it was an encouraging decision, not necessarily just for the decision, but the way that the opinion was written. I mean, obviously, some of the uh, Supreme Court justices, you know basically felt the the need to thunder and say that hey your your model is illegal or if not illegal you know certainly borderline illegal and, and you wouldn't be getting away with this you know in literally any other line of work and, and i thought that was an interesting distinction because i think the ncaa has tried for so long to say that hey these aren't employees you know this isn't this isn't something where we, you know, where we're going up against somebody who's an entrenched working union and, you know, and we're, we're, you know, fighting them to make sure there's equal pay and things of that nature. But to see the, the, NCAA, the NCAA sort of, uh, dunked on, if you will, by the Supreme Court and say things like, Hey, this just isn't going to work for you anymore. I thought that that was highly encouraging for those of us who do want to see athletes have some pathway toward getting, you know, sort of compensated at least what they're worth, if not even more than that. What do you think are going to be the the repercussions if that does happen, right? Because this, this isn't going to change anything in the here and now. But if, you know, further lawsuits do come, which do attack the amateurism model, what are going to be the repercussions on a micro level for the NCAA's inaction for so long, for the fact that they have stood behind this for so long when they've had opportunities to adapt and change and sort of move this into a more, uh, I mean, whatever adjective you want to describe, legal, player-friendly, etc. Because it does feel like there are going to be things, whether it's uh, funding or you know, loss of programs at universities across the country that feel like they're almost going to be inevitable if this model is basically flipped on its head? Well, I thought it was really interesting. You know, one of the people that, that I follow on Twitter um, is a Baylor Bears reporter named Kendall Cow, And he actually is up here in, in the Kansas City area, He's uh, and he's an attorney. And, and so it was interesting to see his thoughts on it. And he thought that it was at least somewhat of a victory for the NCAA, Nick, because he thought that there was a pathway forward for, you know, the amateurism model to to continue to go forward. And, and what I mean by that is people need to understand there's a difference between the different ways that athletes can get compensated, right? And so when you're when you're looking at amateurism, it's not necessarily that amateurs can't get paid. Because you look at the Olympic model for so many years, right? A skier, for instance, had to be an amateur, but they could get paid by sponsors and, and things of that nature. And so name, image, and likeness would potentially be on the table. What the NCAA wants, and more specifically, what the NCAA member institutions want that prop up the NCAA. And, and remember, the NCAA takes a lot of heat, and, and rightfully so in a lot of ways, but... The other part of that is they're supposed to be a bullet shield for the member institutions. And what what could be a victory for the NCAA is, say, if this leads to name, image, and likeness, 
where you know Kansas basketball players can get paid to to go out and endorse various you know places in town, et cetera. They can pick up national endorsements, all of those things. But if the school itself does not have to pay those players, and those are two very very different trajectories, and I think that what Kendall was saying and what's interesting about this moving forward is basically it seemed like that was a big victory for name image and likeness to sort of take off. The other part of it is that it seemed like potentially it wasn't something where they were yelling at the NCAA that, Hey, the university of Kansas has to come out and pay a basketball player $200,000 because that's what they're worth. And so I, I think that, separation of how players could get paid in the future will also be something worth monitoring. Do you think there is any possibility, and I know this has been brought up before today, I'm just curious if the decision yesterday has made you think about this at all more. Is there any possibility that the Power Five conferences would consider just splitting from the NCAA completely? You know, that that's been a discussion point for, for a few years now, I, I feel like, and not you know, just something sort of bandied around where, hey, if the NCAA doesn't uh, doesn't meet the needs of the Power Five conferences, why would they stick around? Um, and, and I don't know that I don't know that the Power Five would split off at this point. I think the NCAA, for the most part, is doing what it was hired to do. As much as much as as people maybe don't like it and, you know, people have railed at the NCAA for other things, you know, penalties, et cetera, and, and things of that nature. But at the same time, you know, the whole point is that the NCAA being sort of this, you know, faceless organization. And yes, I know Mark Emmert is the forward forward facing guy of that group, but the NCAA being sort of this faceless organization means that we aren't blaming Ohio state for the way something goes down. It means that we aren't blaming North Carolina mm-hmm. for a way that a decision goes. And so as long as the NCAA continues to, to sort of act as that liability shield, if you will, I, I have a hard time seeing the, the Power 5 schools sort of taking their ball in and going home. Well, if, you, if, you, if you're cool with it, I'm cool with just blaming everything on Duke <laughs> from now on. Like, I didn't know that was on the table. I, I think that uh, there are definitely some schools and some places that would very much like for that to be available. Yeah, let's just find a few scapegoats. We'll all band together and just sort of pin everything on them. That way we don't need the NCAA. We'll find a new boogeyman to, to sort of get mad at. And Duke is probably as good of a target or candidate for that as anyone. Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports is with us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, Kevin, so the NBA Combine starts uh, started yesterday in Chicago, you also had the G League Elite Camp, which started over the weekend. Marcus Garrett and Jalen Wilson were both there. Marcus Garrett didn't play in either of the scrimmages over the weekend. Jalen Wilson did, but didn't do a whole lot to write home about. In the first game, uh, he had six points, four assists, went three of nine from the field. And in his second game, four points, three turnovers, uh, four rebounds, not a a great showing and not one that scored him an invite to the NBA Combine. Would that be enough to tell you that he's probably coming back to Kansas next year? 
You know, I, I would probably think so. You know, and it's so fascinating because I think there's almost, you know, the whole it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, you know, for, from Dickens. I think that that's kind of Jalen Wilson in a nutshell because Jalen Wilson's game is so closely tied to his confidence level, Nick. And I think when you look at where he was early in the season and specifically – you know, the Kentucky game, the way he came in and changed that game and what we saw from him, we were talking, and at that point in the season, rightfully so, based on what other people were doing, we were talking about Jalen Wilson being Kansas's next All-American. And I think that when that version of Jalen Wilson shows up, when there's a confidence level, almost an arrogance, if you will, but not in a negative way, when he crashes the glass with just all abandon and, and, you know, sort of lets the the work lead into the other things, Jalen Wilson is an all America capable guy. And I think with him being six foot eight with the skill level that he has, you know, there's a chance that, you know, if he refines that confidence and, and continues to develop that skill level, there could be a place for Jalen Wilson in the NBA. I don't know that it's there right now with, with the version of Jalen that that we saw over the last you know few months of the season. He did you know sort of after slumping, he did get back to playing a little bit better. But I think there's a whole other version of, of Jalen that we maybe even haven't seen yet. That's sort of the polished up version of, of that Kentucky game, where Wilson actually has a chance to to put together a, a long NBA career. I just don't think that he's there yet. What do you think his role looks like next year? How identical is it going to be to what we saw last season? He he is the biggest X factor to me. People want to talk about all the newcomers and, you know, hey, what about this guy? And if this guy does this or, or whatever else. Typically speaking in college basketball, we talk about a second-year leap. And I know Jalen Wilson has technically been in college for two years now, but he was hurt his first year, and last year was his first year truly on the court where he spent a full season. He got to see, okay, I can do this on a division one basketball court. I can't do this. Okay. This gave me trouble, et cetera. And then you go into workouts that summer and say, this is what I need to do to be able to execute my entire game or the things that I want to be able to execute on that court. And so, I think when you look at it, you feel like, you know, Remy Martin, you know what he is at this point, even if he is joining a new roster. You know, Joseph Yasufu, you can kind of see what his role would be. Cam Martin, I think you can kind of project what the role is going to be. David McCormick, you're kind of hoping for the McCormick we saw the second part of the season. But if you're looking at a guy to say, okay, this guy could either be, you know, some version of what he was last year or, you know, he could take another step and really turn into the star of next year's team. I think that guy's Jalen Wilson. And when you look at what Wilson has been when he's been at his best, I think it's pretty easy to look at his results from this past season and say that, hey, there's a better version of this guy out here. And the best version of Wilson is a guy that's going to be tough to take off the court, that he could be out there for 30 minutes, that he could average, you know, a 16 and eight or or whatever else, because he's that level of rebounder. And and when he's shooting well, and, and, you know, if he polishes up that stroke a little bit, 
you know, he, he's a really, really tough guy to defend. And so when you add all of that together, I do think that Wilson is one of the tougher guys to pick in terms of just saying, hey, this is this is what he's going to be next year. Because I think that there are multiple answers to that question that really depend on Jalen Wilson. How noticeable do you think Marcus Garrett's absence is going to be? It's something that you sort of not just got used to, but in, in a way took for granted that, hey, for about three years, maybe even longer than that, uh, we're just going to have this guy out there for 25 to 30 minutes that's going to lock up your best player. That's not going to be the case anymore. What do you think that's going to look like? Well, and as crazy as it sounds for a guy who I think we can all say was a pretty offensively flawed basketball player, you know, how many times last year was Marcus Garrett the guy, you know, sort of taking the offensive load on himself in the final five minutes mm-hmm. of the game? And so I think that that's going to be noticeable, you know, the the leadership by example. But you can't – there's no way to simulate what you're going to lose defensively because you quite literally in 2019-2020 for a team that was, you know, far and away the best team in the country over the course of the season – Marcus Garrett defended Derek Culver in one game and in the very next game went from guarding a guy who was six foot ten, two hundred and fifty pounds, to defending a lottery point guard in Tyrese Halliburton. Over the course of one game, that was what he did. He had games like he did against Oklahoma, where he was so dominant as as a thieving guy, four steals and a half that Lon Kruger basically took Brady Manick and had him sit up in the upper decks of Allen Fieldhouse so that Marcus Garrett couldn't get close to the ball and take it from somebody else. And so when you when you look at all of that and the defensive impact, the multi-positional defensive stuff, that's not really something I think I've seen before. Like, I've seen guys who could switch, right? You know, like hey, we we got screened here, this guy can switch on to somebody and he can do very he can do pretty well. But I'm not sure I've seen a whole lot of people do what Marcus Garrett did in terms of, hey, this center is your primary responsibility in this game. And the next game you're gonna defend the team's best wing. In this game you will defend the team's best point guard. And for him to be able to not only do that, but show up extremely well when, you know, pretty much every time he was, he was asked to do all that. And so I think it's almost one of those things that's impossible to measure and impossible to tell just what it's going to look like without him. I can tell you, you know, late in the game, you know, if you're, if you're playing Baylor and Matthew Meyer has the ball, I don't know who's going to defend him at this point for KU, whereas before you would have said, okay, Meyer is definitely taking that shot, so you know who's definitely going to defend Meyer on this play. It's going to be Marcus Gary. Yeah, by the way, Matthew Meyer coming back uh, for next year for Baylor, I, I know he was a sort of one of those fringe guys where you could see him going either way. What's that mean for Baylor just based off everything they lost? You know, Baylor looks loaded once again, and I think, you know, Baylor is going to collect a lot of votes sort of in that 5-10 to 10 range, uh, you know, 7-8 maybe overall, because you look at, you know, them landing James Akinjo, the point guard from Arizona, who was highly productive there. 
you know, them bringing back Adam Flagler, who was their sixth man last year and, and really hit a lot of huge shots for them when their other guards weren't hitting shots. And so Flagler stepping into the starting lineup, I wouldn't anticipate there being a big drop off there. Meyer, you would project would be their leading scorer. And I think, you know, when you look at, at how shot happy he's been sort of through his career, to put him out there in a situation where he's, you know, playing 30 minutes a night, I think he's got a pretty good chance to be an all-Big 12-type player. At center, they return Thamba and, and you know, Chamwa Chachua, and, and so the exact same guys and and maybe even have a little more depth there. And, and then the other guy is they add uh, the five-star um from uh, from Sunrise Christian, who's more of a traditional small forward than what they've had. You know, they've been the three-guard lineup in each of the last two years. And, and you know, this year they're going to have a guy in that spot who's six foot eight, long, a terrific athlete. And so Baylor's going to look different than they did this year. And, and you know, they're going to be huge with with Brown being the, the six-foot-eight guy at the three, then going with Meyer at six-foot-nine at the four. And, and those centers, they're, they're going to be really huge at the three, four, five spots, but they're also going to be really, really good. He is Kevin Flaherty. You can check out his work at 247sports.com. Hear him here on Tuesdays, RCST. Kevin, thank you as always, man. All right. Thanks a lot, Nick.